all start on the outside, the outside looking in. This is where grace begins. So it's a day of celebration, right? It's a day of celebration for many reasons. Uh, we celebrate with you, McKenna, and with Anthony, with Declan, um, their accomplishments. And, you know, this is, we, we all experience these life changes, and, and you know, they're big transitions. Uh, but know that the Holy Spirit goes with you, that God walks with you, and that you have the prayers and support of this community for sure uh, for, from now on. Yeah. But it's, it's a time of, of celebration for other reasons. It's for many reasons, right? We celebrate life. We celebrate new life just blooming around us. We celebrate the reality of resurrection that is forever our new reality. And we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. In a few weeks, we're going to be celebrating that fully. The gift of the Holy Spirit given. So today, we begin a new sermon series called Revive. We're seeking to provide fertile soil for God to cultivate something new within us and within us as a community, within each one of us and within us as a community. Uh, we we want to be that fertile ground for the Holy Spirit to grab hold and, and do something fresh and new. So today I'd like to read a passage that comes from the book of Acts. This is from chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 36 through 41. I hear these words of Luke from the book of Acts. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brother, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Let's pray. Lord God, thank You for Your Scriptures. Thank You for the witness of the book of Acts. Thank You for the witness of, of Your Apostle Peter. Uh, God, we thank You for the words. I pray that You would speak to us today in and through them. That we would encounter You anew. That we would be emboldened by the Holy Spirit. And that we would be transformed all in the name of Jesus the Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. So a while back I heard a, a story about a preacher in Argentina of all places um, and, and what he did one Sunday morning. The preacher got up to give his sermon and he, and he said, the message for today is love one another. And then he sat down. And everyone, you know, as you can imagine, just sat there waiting for what would happen next. And they started looking around at each other and maybe mumbling a little bit, giving these kind of quizzical looks to one another. You know, they weren't used to such a short sermon from this pastor. So the pastor got up again and he said, the message for today is love one another. And then again, he sat down. So the pastor 
got up one more time. And this third time, he went to the pulpit and he said, the message for today is love one another. And until we begin doing that, there won't be any more messages. Slowly though, right, something peculiar started happening. People began turning to one another. They began talking to one another. They began praying for each other. And then even opening their, their wallets and giving money to, to each other, to those near them who were going through difficult times financially. You know, eventually they did hear other messages from this pastor, but they did learn that important messages bear repeating. And sometimes it's the, the simplest, most basic of messages that need to be heard the most. I was tempted to just do that this morning, right? Right? Maybe I should have one day. But throughout the month of May, we're going to be walking through some of those basic messages of Scripture, hearing them again. They're, they're worth repeating. And we're going to explore what it takes to cultivate a life open to the work of the Holy Spirit and wholly dedicated to loving and serving Christ as the church. What we are seeking is for God to revive us. To revive us. To revive His church universal. And specifically, this local expression of the universal church here at Ozark UMC. But throughout this series, we're going to be reviving our vision as a church. You know, focusing on getting back to those things that will enable us to be that fertile soil for the cultivation and work of the Holy Spirit. But as we look ahead, you know, later this month to our celebration of Pentecost, uh, to the, the celebration of the giving of the Holy Spirit, we seek for the Holy Spirit to breathe new life into each one of us and into us as a whole so that we would live more fully and faithfully into what God has made us to be. So we're calling this sermon series, creatively enough, Revive. Right? Revive. And the word revive, it's, it's Latin, um, Old English, French, it's all tied together, but kind of roots are Latin. Um, and it has ties to a Hebrew word, actually. Um, a, a word we can find in the, in the Old Testament Scriptures. But it means, and we'll, we'll put up the definition here, it means to bring back to life. right? To restore consciousness. To restore to a previous condition. It entails restoration, rejuvenation, and renewal of interest after spiritual neglect, oblivion, or obscurity. You hear that? Restoration, rejuvenation, renewal of interest after spiritual neglect, oblivion, or obscurity. You know, I'll, I'll be kind of open about how this sermon series came about. Um, I, I spent some time a few years ago specifically praying for revival. I had never done that before, but I, I met someone at, at a church I was at previously who, who uh, was from a different tradition, and he he, he just kept hearing God speak to him uh, in that specific way to pray for revival, a revival in his church. And so we started praying in that direction. We, we would get together every week, once a week, and we would pray specifically for revival, 
for God to do something special, for a new movement of the Holy Spirit, for people to catch a glimpse of the gospel and to be completely changed, you know, becoming new vessels of God's redemptive and restorative work in this world, and for the church to take its place as an agent of life-giving change in this world, being of one mind, one, one voice, one heart, all in the one Spirit. Now, when I say the word revival, that may well up some, some thoughts from some of you. Maybe you have, you've had experience in the past uh, with revival. I mean, some of us may be from traditions where we would have you know, these Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening revivals that would carry on into Monday or Tuesday sometimes. And, and you know, it, it was all people gathering together, bringing in a guest speaker, and that guest speaker getting everyone fired up for a day or two, and then everybody going home and going back to what they always did. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about revival. When we talk about revival, we're talking about just what we read in the book of Acts. A new, fresh movement of the Holy Spirit where people's lives are forever changed. And the kingdom, you can begin to see glimpses of it coming to fruition in this world. When we talk about revival, that's what we're talking about. God doing something new, something special. God just bringing people into His fold as vessels of His grace and mercy, as, as kingdom builders in this world. But like I said, I, w- I was praying in that direction for a, a few years. But I've noticed in the last three or four, I haven't been praying in that way. And I started asking myself why fairly recently. I mean, you know, I still have this deep desire for all of those things to occur, right? To see and experience revival, for folks to experience life change, and for Christ's kingdom to be made known in real tangible ways. What I came to realize, though, is that we're not ready for revival. The church is not ready for revival. The church universal I don't think is ready for revival. By that, I mean that we need to first cultivate the fertile soil in which the Holy Spirit can move and have His way. And this requires obedience. It requires repentance. It requires faithfulness in all the, the simple, basic, mundane areas of faith that we sometimes take for granted but shouldn't. Recently, I had a conversation with a friend just a couple of weeks ago, and we've had discussions about this very thing, about God doing something new in His church, about revival, breathing life into us. And, and this friend of mine and me, we have this, this same desire, the, um, this desire for the same things. We pray for a fresh movement of the Spirit. Well, this friend of mine, they were, they were reading and praying not too long ago, and they heard God say, very very clearly, get your own house in order first. And this really struck a chord with me when, when they shared this with me because it was exactly how I had been led to see things. A.W. Tozer, he's a pastor in the, in the first half of the 20th century. He was a well-known pastor. Maybe you've read some of his works. He, he's written some amazing things. Uh, but he wrote a lot about revival. Um, he was kind of a revivalist. 
Um, but he, I, I'd like to share a couple quotes of his. He says this, It is useless for large companies of believers to spend long hours begging God to send revival. Unless we intend to reform, we may as well not pray. Unless praying men and women have the insight and faith to amend their whole way of life to conform to the New Testament pattern, there can be no true revival. I'll put it another way, he says this, Revival happens when a good percentage of people in the church decide to swallow the book and let it have its effect on their lives, come what may. We talk about swallowing the book. You know, that's not Bible worship. You know, that's, that's swallowing the gospel narrative, the, the truth of the gospel. It's, it's consuming Christ, right, as, as our own. The making, the living into the story of Christ. But it's when we decide to swallow the book and let it have its effect on our lives, come what may. That's a dangerous place to be, right? Maybe you've prayed that dangerous prayer. Lord, have Your way with me. Do what You will with me. This sermon series is about getting our own house in order first. That's what we're really focusing on. It's about cultivating obedience to conform our lives individually and our life as a church to the way of Jesus and to let the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection have its effect on our lives and the life of this church community, come what may. Come what may. But we're going to be looking at the book of Acts, primarily looking at the book of Acts. And, and I, I love this season uh, for, for another reason. We, t- we think about the, the church lectionary. And the word lectionary just means a reading plan. Uh, that's all it is. It, so the lectionary is just a reading plan to read Scripture throughout a, a three-year cycle. right? So the lectionary was established for, for this reason. So we would be able to work our way through Scripture and read all of Scripture. But during the season of Easter, right, from Easter to Pentecost, you know, typically there's an Old Testament reading. But that Old Testament reading is removed during the season of Easter. And what, what replaces that Old Testament reading are readings from the book of Acts. And I think that's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful thing. Because when we read the book of Acts, when we dig into the book of Acts, we're digging into what it means to be resurrection people. To live out the fullness of life. To live as, as resurrection people empowered by the Holy Spirit. So we're going to be digging into the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is very forward-looking, right? It's, it's looking at what, how, how the early church lived out their calling to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth and then what that means for us. How we take that place now as the church. We, the church, are called to proclaim the fullness of Christ's love and mercy and, and forgiveness to the entire world. To proclaim with our mouths and our lives. But Acts is a book filled with stories of revival. You can just thumb through the book of Acts. And just about point to any place in the book of Acts. And you will inevitably land on a story that is just all about God reviving His people. It's about the early Christians gathering together 
loving each other, loving other people, being faithful, and the Holy Spirit just shows up and does amazing things, incredible things. The important thing, though, I think, to note is that these early Christians, they weren't spending all of their waking hours just huddled together praying for revival. Right? Which, which I think is what we are prone to do. Praying for, for God to, to speak to us, to do new things. They weren't just huddled together for God to do something special in their midst. They were simply, I would say even in a mundane sort of way, being faithful to their calling to love God and love other people. They were simply living out the faith that they had encountered in and through Jesus. And of course, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We encounter one such story of revival in these first couple of chapters in the book of Acts. We're going to dig into the story of the gift of the Holy Spirit in a few weeks. But soon after that, we encounter this story that we read for today. But Acts is about the start of the church. It's about the giving of the Holy Spirit and the start of the church. And how, how the good news of Jesus was spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Beginning with the gift of the Holy Spirit, Jesus' disciples immediately set themselves to the initial task of proclaiming the Gospel to the Jews. The initial task of proclaiming the Gospel to the Jews. You know, it's, it's laid out very clearly in chapter 1 in the book of Acts. Uh, you proclaim the Gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And that's exactly what we encounter in, in those 28 chapters of the book of Acts. It begins with proclaiming the good news to the Jews. And it ends with Paul in Rome. The ends of the earth. Proclaiming the Gospel. But that's what we find in this passage for today. Peter, Peter, he stands up to address the Jews gathered there and gives this in incredible sermon. Uh, it's, it's the first such sermon, that probably the, the first Christian sermon that we really encounter. But in response to Peter's message, revival broke out. God started doing something. The Holy Spirit started working. Many were baptized, it says. And about 3,000 became followers of Jesus that day. 3,000. But what was it that Peter said to this group of faithful Jews, right? Faithful Jews that caused them to become followers of Jesus? Well, he says this, and this is what I latch on to from this passage. It says, God made this Jesus both Lord and Messiah, or Lord and Christ. That Jesus is God incarnate, right? He's saying Jesus is God incarnate. Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. He's the one you've been waiting for. But He is the Lord and Messiah, the Lord and Christ whom you crucified. You crucified. And upon hearing this, Acts says that they were cut to the heart. Cut to the heart. This is where God's reviving work begins, I think. 
It's in, it's in encountering Jesus as Lord. Lord of our personal lives. Lord of all creation. As God incarnate who loves each of us with an unending, unconditional love. And it is in realizing that through our sin, you know, through our unfaithfulness, through our failure to love God, through our failure to love other people, we are responsible for crucifying our Lord. And each time we fail to love, each time we turn our eyes, each time we turn our hearts away from Christ, or cause others to turn their hearts and eyes away from Christ, or cause others to suffer, we are crucifying Him all over again. I don't know about you, but to realize that, to fully realize that, cuts me straight to the heart. And it causes me to desire something else. It causes me to desire to be changed. It causes me to desire to be faithful. To be obedient to the way of life that we were created for. You know, this obedience, it's the starting point. The starting point to cultivating a life that is prepared to receive the reviving work of the Holy Spirit, both individually and as a church. It's a starting point for being brought together in one mind, one voice, one heart, all in the one Spirit. You'll notice any time in the book of Acts, if you thumb through, any time you encounter one of these stories of God doing something amazing, all of the believers were of one mind and heart and voice. They were all knit together. But I think this is also the starting point for reviving our vision as a church community. It's, it's out of this starting point that we get our focus as a church community. As we seek to move forward as a church. Right? I, I often say sometimes the most progressive thing to do uh, is to turn around and go backwards when you realize that you may have gotten off the path. That's a paraphrase of, of C.S. Lewis. Sometimes we just need to go back to what we know is good and true and right. Go back to just simply being faithful. To focusing on discipleship. And so that's what we are really focusing on as a church community. Discipleship. Being transformed. Following in Jesus' footsteps. For adults, for children, for youth. All of us. Being molded, being shaped, being transformed more and more into the image of God. And then also focusing on mission. right? Because as we just talked about, we, we are a sent people. Every single one of us, we are a sent people. But we come to the feet of our Lord to be transformed, to soak up everything He has for us, to, to be shaped and molded in order to be sent out. We're going to be celebrating that very act here at this table in a moment. But our vision focuses on adults, adults, youth, children, specifically discipleship, as well as on mission. These are, are what we are deciding to pour our time and attention into in an effort to be faithful and obedient, to allow Jesus' life, death, and resurrection to have its effect 
on our lives and to allow the Holy Spirit to do His work, come what may. Come what may. So as we continue digging deeper into this throughout the month of May, I'd like to give you some, some homework. Right? I would like to invite you to pray. To spend some time praying for some specific things. That we together as a church body would be praying this together in one heart. That you would pray for your, for your own heart to be just cleaved into. Right? That you would be pierced to the heart. Cut to the heart. That God would work in that way. I encourage you to pray for obedience to the life-giving way of love found in Jesus Christ. I encourage you to pray that we as a church would continue to be knit together. One mind, one voice, one heart. All in the one Spirit. And to pray that God's work of reviving His church and the world might begin with you.